You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, brought to you by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you today? <laughs> oh, you sound down, Shane. What's going on? Um, well, uh, my Tissy Volunteers lost again, and uh, my $100 bet didn't go so well. So it was, a, it was a rough week for me, for Cousin Shane. Now, there's a lot of other folks out there that are extremely happy, and uh, maybe I will be toward the end of this show, but to start it out, Mike, I'm a little <laughs> rough, man. A little rough. Ain't gonna lie. Well, hey, uh, you know, this was one of the better weekends. This has just been such a wacky year. I can't even remember a time we've had, you know, basically a, we didn't even have a full slate, but it felt like it. We had six games. We had some terrific games. I'm ready to get into it, Shane. How about you? Let's do it. Great job, man. Where's that damn trophy? Where's the trophy? You are. Shane, so a lot of action here. Didn't really know where to start, but uh, let's just go with uh, one of the nooners here. LSU goes on to the road, beats Arkansas 27-24. to Another heartbreaker here. Hog fans pissed off at the refs. 
<laughs> I can't blame them. I mean, there were some crazy calls here. And I can't tell you, Shane, how many times I tweet out about the officiate the officiating in these Arkansas games and the fans are just jumping all over it. I mean, we got fans wanting out of the SEC, as crazy as that sounds. They think they're they're all out to get them. And I kind of kid because I don't think the officiating necessarily cost Arkansas the game, but it sure as hell didn't help. We really got to hand it to – I know there's there's no such thing as moral victories, but, I mean, Arkansas is going into this one with uh, with a damn hand but you know tied behind their back, and mm-hmm. they're scrapping and fighting. They got defensive linemen I never even heard of. Felipe Franks limping, getting, you know, hit left and right. And LSU's had multiple weeks to prepare for this thing. But in the end, I mean, LSU just wore Arkansas down. They made the plays when they had to at the, in the with the game-winning drive. I know there was a questionable call. We can get to that here in a minute on that final drive. But you really got to hand it to Tank, man. The true freshman going on the road and beating a good Arkansas team. And, you know, everything's swirling around LSU. We talked about it all week. This could have been a case where the Tigers just, you know, pack it in, ready for 2021. Yeah, they didn't do that, man. They they got physical and won this game in the on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they did, and and but honestly, Mike, I, it just feels like this was a game Arkansas just let go. And uh, I, I know a lot of people are are talking about the targeting penalty, and and rightfully so. Here, it, you know, you got two games this season that. Um, you know, it came down to I, – I, I seen Razorback fans wanting to see SEC officiating in your power rankings this week. <laughs> you know, it's just – I mean, th- this sucks. It sucks when you've been hurt, and it, it sucks worse when you've been hurt more than once. And and uh, that's kind of what happened here with Arkansas Razorbacks. But I want to take you to a series right before that targeting penalty, man. Uh, that, that, that little three and out that they had – down there that's i think what cost them the game um even on the fourth and inches you know felipe was so damn close to getting the first down i mean you've got one of the biggest physical quarterbacks in the business and i just felt like you could have leaned on that and and got the first down and moved those chains and, and kept that drive going so lsu gets the score goes up i mean there was a whole bunch of things but um that's why i i just i feel like the Razorbacks just – they just let this one slip away, Mike. Yeah, no, and you know, this game, and maybe it's just a product of not having a very deep roster or having a thin roster with all the COVID guys out, but it felt like Arkansas's offense at this point is – it's basically deep balls or nothing else. And yeah. maybe they just start throwing them up left or right because Felipe Franks is nailing them. Mike Woods looks like one of the most improved receivers in the league. Uh, Traylon Burks had a 65-yard touchdown. TJ mm-hmm. Hammonds had a 51-yard catch, but, man, outside of that, I mean, they did have 100 yards rushing, but it just didn't feel, you know, a lot of that came from Felipe Franks. He was the leading rusher in this one. And I don't know about you, Shane, but this was one where I have it a little bit differently than you. Because, I mean, I see what you're saying with Arkansas letting this slip away because they did have the lead late, but it kind of felt like me to me that LSU was constantly – on the attack and, and just grounding and pounding. And they really dominated the the second quarter. And I thought they were just going to run away with it. But here we go, <laughs> Sam Pittman and the Hogs, man. They don't give up. Uh-huh. They keep fighting. They clawing. I thought they were going to steal one. But, uh, yeah, just uh, it's really devastating when a, when a rival comes onto your damn field and takes away 
the trophy from from your field. But uh, I mean that yeah. that's what we got here. But I don't know this this has a feeling, Shane. To me, I don't know about you, but this feels like this is going to be a hell of a rivalry the next couple of years. And, well, and let me let, let me say this: I I was kind of impressed with Bo Pelini's defense, Uh-oh. and I know that's <laughs> yeah. I mean that's not something a lot of folks are talking about, but. You know, the fact that Felipe Franks is the only resemblance of a running game Arkansas was able to have Saturday, I think had more to do with the defense than it did with actually play calling here. So I thought that was tremendous. And there was many, 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 many opportunities that Arkansas had the efficiency. I've never seen uh, Arkansas play like this. Uh, They were 0 for 10 in third down efficiency. You cannot have that and expect to win a game, man. Mm-hmm. This defense, I was ex- I mean, you think about what they were able to do in the second half is a surprise to me for as long as uh, as long as they were out there on the field. They were exhausted, man, and thin. So, uh kudos for for the hearts of the Razorbacks, but uh I got to give it to Bo Pelini's defense getting those guys off the field. Yeah, and one other thing I just remembered, Shane, that is going to haunt Arkansas fans, Felipe Frank slipping. You know, mm. Chris called it, man. When it when it started Dude. pouring, <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I don't I don't put that on Felipe. I mean, I, that's just on the conditions. And I mean, he basically had a walk in touchdown there at the, in the in the fourth quarter. He slipped. He slipped. I I believe on that three and out you were referencing. So, man, it, you hate to say a game comes down to just two little slips like that, but it kind of that's kind of felt like it, didn't it? Yeah, it really did, man. Can you believe the weather? That's the first thing I thought about when Felipe, when it started raining, I was like, oh, this is, I mean, because let's, let's be honest. Everybody knows I had a little, little money on the Arkansas game too. And if they would have scored, it would have been a good situation with the rain coming in because it's a little bit harder to move the ball. But, but no, it, it bit Felipe in the ass there when he slid and fell. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just, just little moments. You can't, you this is a team that you can't afford to make mistakes against. And, and, you know, Arkansas has been pretty flawless when they're playing, playing teams like uh, LSU, but they just, they weren't Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you missed it, if you didn't watch this game, I know LSU and Arkansas fans certainly did, but you know, LSU won the game because of a blocked field goal, basically the last play of the game here. So let's kick it over to coach O'Shane who talks about uh, his emotions during this on the, the kick there on LSU, just on their grit and their will to win, on the play of uh, true freshman Tank Finley. He had a real nice bounce-back game here. And then finally, Jay Ward, if you don't know that name, defensive back. Stingley's out. Both both starting corners are out for LSU. Maybe that's why they were giving up so many big plays. But Jay Ward was someone that uh, he was giving up some of those big plays, but he responded here late in the game. Ed, they showed you uh, on the sideline watching that field goal. What what were you going through in that moment and, and after that? Block it. Just block it, man. Wait, block it or miss it. We, we needed a break. And, and these guys fought hard. And we finally got us a break. And uh, this is a big win for our football team. Yeah, and, I mean, you guys go down 24-20. Your corners are hurt. I mean, that could have gotten away from you. I guess, what did you see on the sideline from your team, from TJ, all those guys? Grit, will to win. We got this, coach. Everybody stuck together. Everybody stayed in the game the whole time. Uh, coaches were stuck together. Uh, you can just feel that all week. And uh, hopefully that, uh, that's the way things are going to be from now on. Uh, we can build on it. And TJ Finley there. I mean, it seemed like maybe, like you said, some things he needs to work on. But 
what sort of poise did he show you in those like really clutch situations, like on third down? Yeah. Obviously, that touchdown at the end. Yeah. What made him successful in those moments? You know, just just uh, he's got ice in his veins, and he's got a lot of confidence, and he, and he practices that way. He's got a strong arm, he's got a big body, he's confident, he can handle the rush, he can scramble. You know, there's some things that, that you know when the, when the play is going fast that he has to key and diagnose a little bit better. But overall, I thought he, you know he showed he showed it. He can win a big game at the end. Uh, just talk about Jay Ward. Obviously, he went in a tough situation, got burned yeah. a couple of times, but the last two plays of the game, he makes the play on yeah. third down from the blocks yeah. field. Yeah, he, he hung in there, man. And, uh, you know, Jay's a tough young man. You're going to play like you practice. Uh, when I field goal block, Jay Ward's always around the corner. He's always making plays. I'm just ha- happy for that young man. And next man up, and he did it. All right, Shade. So I always get a kick out of these coaches, man, after they win a game completely different than how they sound. After a loss here, and Coach O, even though he was coughing, he sounded like he's sick. He's, <laughs> he's he was smiling through this one, and you know this is um, this has got to give LSU some momentum here heading into a big game against Texas A&M next week, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think this was a must-win for Coach O, and you could tell when when they were able to to get that last you know in that last series, and they panned over to a man. Uh, it's like he won the national championship again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I, I think that's how important this this win was for Coach O and and just getting this young team back on track, man. Yeah, because look at it this way, Shane. The, the last opponents for LSU: Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Florida, maybe Alabama. I mean, who, I don't even know if they're going to be able to fit all those in, but it's going to be a combo of those. I mean, all those teams certainly capable of beating LSU. So they. They had to get this one to get some momentum going. Oh, for sure, man. Now, on the other side of the equation, obviously, Sam Pittman and company pretty disappointed on this one. And I don't know if you saw it, Shane, but uh, the AD, Hunter Juracek, after the game, called out the – I've never seen an AD call out the officiating. <laughs> Basically, called this a joke. He said he's going to fight to try to get Jalon Catalan to be able to play against Missouri. And, of course, he's – he will be able to play in the second half because he got targeting in the second half of an LSU game, so that knocks him out for the first half of the next game. But if anybody missed it, I mean, he basically turns his entire body so that he doesn't use his head as a, as a weapon, mm-hmm. hits a guy in the shoulder, guy sliding down, made no contact with the head or neck, and they reviewed it and they upheld the, the decision. So... I don't know. I mean, what do, I think we've discussed this at many times. We've even had a damn clip here of Muschamp talking about, you know, we need to get away from maybe there's like targeting A, targeting B, where one is just, you know, vicious and the guy needs to be ejected, certainly. But right. targeting B where, you know, we got to keep this game safe. I understand, we under, I understand the need for the rules, but on these borderline ones where the guy is clearly not trying to, hurt anyone or anything like mm-hmm. why in the hell are we ejecting people and kicking them out for the next game it just doesn't make a damn bit of sense does it no i i, I totally agree with you here and uh i think he 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 was kind of referring to it like the soccer you know you got a red card and a yellow card mm-hmm. and um yeah we're already doing this in the game now with face masks there's the five yard face masks there's 15 yard there's a five yard run into a kicker there's a 15 there's there's a difference between a personal foul and and just a a, a technical issue you know what i'm saying right. so i think you should have the same thing this should definitely be 
levels of this. Uh, you can't just automatically uh, suspend somebody, and not just one game. I mean, he's out the first half of the next game. Right. Yeah, and they, I mean, this is – and that's one that Arkansas is definitely going to want because Missouri – I know they don't like to consider it a rivalry, but, hell, Missouri's won four in a row. You want to make sure that you keep that program – you know, you want to flip the script. That's kind of what this whole season's all about. You got to keep that momentum. You got to be at, uh, you know, keeping that momentum going into the Alabama game if you got any chance on that one. So yep. let's kick it over to Sam Pittman talking about this uh, Jalen Catalan call on just how big that is. I mean, not only SEC, I mean, he's trending towards All-American type season. He's, he's just been incredible on the uh, decision to kick that field goal late that was blocked on Arkansas being limited with all the COVID guys out. And then finally on his message to the team after the game. Just overall thoughts you have from this game. And, and the targeting call on Catalan, what, what did you see on that play and how big was it? Well, I saw him, you know, I thought he tried to avoid, the, you know, try to avoid. Uh, he, had, he was coming in with his shoulder there. Their uh, receiver, you know, went went lower as he was going towards the ground and I, I felt like he was trying to avoid the the contact but um you know I can see what they saw as well but but uh, certainly uh it looked to me like he was trying to avoid getting his head out of there and trying to avoid uh the receiver's hel- helmet as well hey coach just the impact that Jalen has how much does that change your defense I think we've seen it twice this year with both those ejections just what does that do to the defense when he's not back there kind of commanding, especially a second? I think, you know, the game's a lot about confidence and belief and, and things of that nature. And obviously you want to play your best players, you know. But he brings such a confidence, such an aura, you know, around him uh, that he affects the team positively, maybe even more than his play. You know, obviously he's a really good player and things of that nature. But – uh and it's very seldom you might say a redshirt freshman is a leader, but he is. And uh, so it affects you, obviously, in a lot of areas, skill-wise, playability, uh, communication, and the fact that uh, our players believe in him. Coach, what went into the uh, decision to kick the field goal there late? Did you? How long did you think about possibly going for it? Fourth and three, 45-yard field goal, down three. What would you have said if we'd have went for it and didn't make it? Kicked the field goal. To me, there wasn't a, there wasn't a question of what you do. We're gonna tie the game up. We didn't think they had enough time. They weren't a prolific throwing the ball football team. Uh, they were. They only had a timeout left as well. So, I you know if it might have been if it was closer, uh, we might have tried it. But I have confidence in Reed and I. I certainly thought we could protect it, and I thought we would. And there was no doubt in my mind we'd make it. We probably would have, but we had it tipped. Sam, I, I get what you're saying by not making excuses about the lack of defensive linemen, but you know, I think you lost four, four or five guys, several of whom have started. How challenging did that make it? Did it affect your game plan in terms of not being able to rush as many guys to put pressure on Finley? And how do you think the young guys played around, Jonathan? Well, it gives opportunity for them guys to play, and and in the future, we'll be a better football team because they were they were they were able to go out there and play. Uh, 
again, you know, we talk all the time about all we have is all we need, and 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 I think that's what we felt going into the game, and and we we did for the most part. But you know, uh, it was good for those kids to get in there and play. You know, I think the rule is um, three or four D linemen, and we had nine available. I mean, we did. They just hadn't played before, but uh, so. Um, I was proud of their effort, um, and they'll they'll continue to get better. Yeah, Coach, obviously the team's disappointed. I know you're disappointed. What what did you tell them after the game and not being able to, to keep the boot here in Arkansas now? Uh, just, uh, you know, we're all disappointed. It hurt, and, uh, you know, just said we have two more games left, and, and – not a whole lot you need to say when you go in there and you look at them and you know it affects them. There's not a whole lot you need to say. We have to get better. Um, we can't go out and party and all that stuff. We can't get COVID, you know, just basic things that you say all the time. But I did tell them I was extremely proud of them and proud of their effort because I damn sure am. All right, Shay. So, I mean, at this point, I don't think we expect anything less from Coach Pittman. He's not going to make any excuses. Uh, he's going to support his team, even you know after losing effort, still damn proud of of what they put out on the field. And I know Arkansas fans are pissed, Shane, but if you would have told them defending national champs next season, you got you're down to what it was it like four <laughs> linemen and all this craziness. Yeah, you're, uh-huh. you're going to be a three point ball game. I think every damn one of them would have taken that. And, uh, you know, it's just a sign of the progress that's being made there in Arkansas. And if they had a full roster, if some of these calls went their way, they would have won this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is one of those games that if they were to play again, I don't know what the outcome would be, Mike. This That's that's just how tight this ball club was. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, next game, Shane, let's talk about this one. This one, I couldn't believe it when it happened. I had to rewatch it this morning. Georgia. Takes care of Mississippi State, thirty-one to twenty-four. Shane, if I was to tell you that Mister J.T. Daniels came in and threw for four hundred yards, four touchdowns, would there be any chance in hell you would think that Mississippi State would cover this twenty-something point spread? No way in hell, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I predicted there to be a zero, a goose egg on that side of the ball, man. This one I've never missed so bad in my life. I just thought, hey, with the quarterback coming out, with the with the, the jerseys, home field advantage, it just the the time off. I just felt like, not to mention Mississippi State playing like with duct tape. Like I don't even know if half those guys on the roster even go to that school. That's just <laughs> that's how short-handed they were. I just. I could not believe that this was a damn ball game, man. I mean, there was a couple times I just wanted to fire Kirby mm-hmm. half, man. I was just I was ready to get rid of him. Yeah, that, I, mean, I think I heard the count. They played 46 players, Mississippi State did, on the road. They were looking like the worst team in the SEC. And maybe this is just the latest indication that this 2020 is just so unpredictable. But, man, they showed up to play. And they yeah. didn't take anything from Georgia. They, I mean, they eight yards for for Georgia rushing eight. Mm. I'll say that again: eight yards rushing. That's crazy. And Mississippi State was just all over them. 
And they mm-hmm. forced JT Daniels to beat him, and he did it. But a lot of it had was just huge downfield throws. And, I mean, JT Daniels is the story of the game, Shade, but the way Georgia's defense was playing, the way their rushing attack was totally ineffective, they would have lost this damn game by 20 points if not for JT yep. Daniels. And, I mean, I don't know which one's the bigger story, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy that Georgia's got their quarterback. It doesn't mean a damn now that now that the season is – all the goals yeah. are gone. But, you know, what in the hell happened to this defense? And and what's going on in, in Athens? Because this is – I don't know. As soon as they get the biggest piece of the puzzle solved, then everything else goes to hell. That's, that's what I don't – it's almost like there's give up on that side of the ball. Uh, this is this is a team that, if you look at the talent top to bottom, this should not have been a ball game. And yes, JT, you know, he looked great. He was efficient. He had a lot of yards passing. It's something we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we want to get away from the run totally. The the fact that Zeus is averaging one point nine yards that that blows my mind. That and that's more on the offensive line, if you ask me. I, I, you know, a lot the hogs don't get enough credit. Well, sometimes they don't get enough blame either. Mm-hmm. If you can't lean on them and get more than 1.9 yards a rush, that's on you guys, especially when it's going against Mississippi State. Not that Mississippi State has a bad defense; they got a really good defense, but they're a thin defense. And you would think that running the ball and, and kind of playing that Georgia-style offense would really have paid off here in the third or fourth quarter. And they didn't do it. They wanted to get in a shootout with the Pirate. I mean, a lot of times, 9 out of 10, if you jump into that matchup, there's a couple of coaches that could probably hang, but uh, Georgia is extremely lucky not to lose this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, credit Will Rogers. I mean, Mississippi State true freshman going on the road, he wasn't intimidated. Uh, he took what they gave him. It was a lot, a lot of checkdowns. He had 52 yeah. attempts in this one, but that's kind of what the system is. You check it down if it's not there. If there's a hole in the zone, you find it, and he found it time mm-hmm. and time again. He was making some big-time throws. He was. And then at one point, Georgia said, all right, to hell with this. Let's <laughs> let's go, man. Burned his, They burned their ass for a 51-yard touchdown right before half. <laughs> they had to go back to the damn zone. So, man, it was just um, it was a nightmare game here for Georgia. And I know they won the game, but this almost feels like a loss. And I don't know if this is crazy, Shane, but now that we've seen what JT Daniels has got, and this is something I – hell, everybody's been calling for it, but now that we've seen it, mm-hmm. I feel like this puts Kirby on a – I'm not putting him on the hot seat, but his seat's hotter is, is basically what I'm trying to say because what in the hell are we doing? We just – we just threw this damn season away, and and you know we'll get to his comments here in a minute. But he's touting Stetson Bennett and how he looked good up until the halftime Alabama. But my God, Shane, that was over a month ago. We what about the Kentucky game where we didn't do jack shit? Why don't we throw him That's out right. there? How about the Florida game with, with the division on the line? Why don't we throw him out there? I mean, this is this is ridiculous to me. This is a league, and, and everybody wanted to talk about de- defense doesn't win championships anymore, man. You heard Nick, Nick Saban talking about it uh, earlier. It's it, defenses are dead. It's it's an off. It's all about the offense, man. And if you can't get the chains moving, if you can't be, I mean, if you can't be exciting, there's you're just not going to win games. And you could clearly say that they were trying to play keep away for the first half of this season, and they were able to against a lot of opponents, but. When it came down to teams that are extremely talented and good at offense, 
you know, example Florida, example Alabama, Georgia just couldn't, they couldn't hold, they couldn't hang. So it felt like, it felt, this is what it feels like, Mike. It, it feels like Kirby said, okay, let's, let's try this. Let's just try throwing the ball. And that's like, that's what this game <laughs> felt like. It's like, okay, you know, like you, you're afraid to jump into the deep water. So you, you go into the shallow. That's what he, he's, let's just ease into this, but it's too late. You're doing it against Mississippi State. So you, you should have, I, I, I keep going back to that damn Kentucky game. This should have been the one that JT came out. That should mm-hmm. have been the one that you attempted to throw, that you attempted to break in this offense. Don't get me wrong. It was great seeing Burton. It was great seeing Pickens. They're, they're freaking athletes. They're studs. They're reasons that the, the entire country was recruiting these guys. But now you've got Vandy and who else uh, left on your schedule? For, uh, for Georgia? Yeah. South Carolina? Got, South Carolina. <laughs> Missouri? I mean, who, who gives a shit about these teams, man? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, the competitive edge is off, and it just felt like that's the, the mentality this defense had going into this game. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's kick it over to Kirby because – as you, obviously, he was asked, you know, what in the hell are we doing? Why didn't we play JT Daniels earlier than this? Why Daniels wasn't playing earlier? <laughs> on why we couldn't run the ball against Mississippi State. And then on just how, you know, Mississippi State, how they burned his ass when they went to man for basically one play. <laughs> I'm never betting on Georgia again. Not until they get a good coach in there. Herbie, obviously we've asked you about JT all year. Um, seeing him out there today, was it a matter of this was the week where he was the healthiest to go or watching him play? Did you have any regrets about, frankly, not playing him earlier? No, I don't think so. I think the the sample size we had on JT early, um, which we didn't have a large sample size on anybody, but we had – I mean, he took predominantly more one reps, he and Dewan, uh, during fall camp. Um, and, you know, he, his mobility and decision-making wasn't great in that fall camp period during those two, three scrimmages. We gave him a lot of reps. And so we had to start we – we had to go direction with somebody. We had to get somebody ready to play. And we felt like the mobility and, and being able to have a running quarterback, which helps your run game when you have a running quarterback, would, would, would help you. And things changed, obviously, in, that, in the Arkansas game. Um, so then we moved on to Stetson and thought Stetson did a really good job through probably halftime of Alabama. And uh, from the, the Alabama game on during the off week is when we gave the most looks and the most reps uh, to JT and felt like Stetson was the best answer at the time. And he played, you know, <laughs> the kid played pretty good against Florida without George Pickens uh, until he took the, the shot. And when he took the shot uh, on the arm on the third and eight, he threw the touchdown. It kind of all went downhill from there. But I want to say this. Let's 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 don't make the the discussion all about that. Let's make a discussion about how well JT handled it in a world when nobody handles things very well uh, and they don't get what they want. What he did is he said, "Coach, I want to come down to the the, the scouts and I want to throw." And I want to be part of the game plan. And he came down in front of me and went every day against what I think is a pretty good defense. And he, you know, he knew it was going to get hit, but he made plays. He moved around in the pocket, and he started showing us that, hey, I can do this thing. And uh, he, he took the bull by the horns, and he took advantage of it tonight. Uh, and Mississippi State played us to stop the run, too, and took a lot of chances, and he took advantage of that. Yeah, Kirby, I was, I was going to say that, you know, as much as you see in practice and, you know, all the decisions you have to make, you can't know until – they get out there like tonight, 401 yards. Uh, uh, forget the uh, completion. You got them in front of there. Uh, the completion percentage, a uh, bunch of explosive plays. 
better than you even could have imagined uh, that, that he performed in that situation? I thought we would be able to run the ball better, so I, wouldn't, I didn't think we'd have to throw it that much. You know, and I thought that we would, you know, I knew we would bend some on defense, but I didn't think we would give up those red area touchdowns. So I'm thinking that, you know, he's going to have to throw it in the game, but, you know, we, we needed to be able to run the ball. We've got to be able to run the ball to help him, and we couldn't run it anywhere uh, the way they were playing us. And he's 28 of 30, I think it's 28 of 38 maybe. I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but I know that, uh, yeah, and then the thing about the drops, you know, he had a couple drops where guys uh, dropped balls uh, and affected that. Um, but he, he, we, we've known he throws a nice deep ball. Now you saw that tonight. He, he puts air under it. He lets them run up under it. I mean, but he had the, I mean, he had the Kyrus drop for a touchdown, the George drop for a touchdown, which I think we made up for with a touchdown. Uh, but then we had Zamir. He threw one a little high over over Zamir's head. But those are three completions, and I don't even know the rest of them. So I thought his accuracy was really good, and I, he even showed, uh, you know, some quickness and some mobility in there when we missed some guys that was probably the toughest part protection wise we missed a couple guys that he could have either redirected the protection or done some things but you know our backs tonight look they're as disappointed as anybody we didn't run a lot but if you go back and study the tape Zamir White's blitz pickup and Kenny McIntosh blitz pickup is big time they both picked up blitzes that allowed JT to stay upright and make those uh, downfield throws and uh, that was I'm really proud of those guys for that because when you're not getting the carries and you're not getting the yards, sometimes it's tough. Coach, I'll just ask uh, hopefully the easiest question of the night. I know guys have to win their jobs from week to week, but uh, fair to assume that JT is your quarterback now going forward? Yeah, I would say it's fair to assume that based on the way he played tonight, and he'll need to uh, continue to to work hard and, and do the things he's done in order to stay in that position. But he certainly showed poise and confidence and uh, did some good things, uh, not only in the passing game, but in the check game. Let's go to Jeff Schultz and then uh, Allison. Kirby, I'm not discounting anything that you said about JT, and I'm certainly not suggesting that he's going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns every week. But can you understand why people would look at this game and think, why was it this guy starting earlier? Absolutely, I would. But I also think that people should take into consideration that you know, I've been coaching football for I don't know how many years, 20, 25 years, and God knows Munkin's probably double me, as old as he is. And uh, there's not a decision that we make as coaches and a coaching staff, an offensive staff with five guys that I adore and think the world of. Um, you know, maybe the question should be, man, aren't they glad they got JT here when nobody thought that maybe we needed him? Um, would I have loved for him to gone out there and, and done the same thing against other teams? Absolutely. Um, but the decisions we made, we made based on giving us the best opportunity to win. And a lot of that had to do with mobility and Stetson's play. And as that struggled, we had to look for other options. And uh, he did a great job with his opportunity. He also had some help in the receivers that came back and the way Mississippi State played them. But I don't want to use that to, to put – you know, to, to, to me how he played. He played unbelievable. I am proud as hell of the way he played. Um, but every decision we make is based on what gives us the best opportunity to win the game. And the men in that room that are making those decisions, they've got a lot of experience doing it. Uh, Kirby, wanted to ask you about the, the run game. And uh, was that a product of, of how they were playing you, a product of not playing very well up front? It just seemed like you got whatever they were doing, you guys couldn't seem to throw them out of it. They kicked our butt. That's the bottom line. Hey, we pass pro better than they pass rushed, and they run stopped better than we ran. 
You know, I'd, I'd reserve judgment until I watch it to see totally what it was, but it wasn't good enough. I mean, I know that. But look, guys, hey, they got a good defense, and I knew that coming into the game. That, that, that their defensive coordinator, he, he he does a hell of a job, and they uh they played their tail off. Look, I, I, I personally knew, um, you know, Brule, the linebacker, um, Errol uh, Thompson. He, I recruited him. I was like, those, those two guys are thumpers. What they're going to do well is attack you and be physical. They're really physical on our perimeter. You know, like most of the time you can't run it inside, you run it outside. Well, every time we try to run it outside, we either got a holding call or they, they, they called us for a illegal block and we couldn't get on the edge and we couldn't get inside. So, you know, they're a physical football team. They did a good job, but some of the stuff they played, it was hard to run the ball against. Hey, Kirby, I'm kind of going back to the defense now. I know Mississippi State's drive started out really long and taking up a lot of time off the clock. And then toward the end of the game, toward the end of the third quarter, you know, it felt like the defense was kind of getting a better rhythm against that offense. So I want to know what are the adjustments that y'all made and how did you end up executing them to shut them down at the end? Really zero. I mean, it's patience. Like I said, we didn't do anything different um, from one half to the other. A lot of people always think that. If anything, you know, we might have rushed four a couple more times. Um, but the success rate on these guys, when you rush four and five, it actually goes down. Uh, they get the ball out so quick. Um, anybody that played man-to-man with them on them, they torched them. Uh, what you saw in the LSU game was they really took advantage of teams playing man-to-man. And then we played man for – we played man a couple snaps. But one of the snaps we played was the big touchdown. And it's like, golly, as soon as you go to it to, to change it up, bam, they hit you. You know, it's just not worth it. So um, they got a good quarterback. They got a good system. Um, and they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll be a force to be reckoned with if the quarterback's that accurate and people continue to play them uh, the way that we played them. All right, Shade. So, I mean, I know we're going to get to a – I don't want to get too far, far along to other games, but we're going to get to it where maybe it's he's saving assistance. Maybe it – I don't know. But this comment from Kirby really pissed me off when he's talking about, well, you know, I've been coaching 20, 25 years. My offensive coordinator's coaching for double that, whatever. So, yes, Kirby's smart. I'm not, you know, stupid to think that I know more than him or any of us. Any of us that are sitting here Monday morning quarterbacking this stuff. But, I mean, it's like insulting to my intelligence that <laughs> they that they wouldn't be playing this guy earlier and that he can come out here and say, well, I got more experience. I know what I'm doing. But they weren't. You can't tell me the team they they trotted out there against Kentucky they were playing to win a championship. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's nonsensical and I don't know. I mean I mean what's your thought on that and it, it just seems like he's playing it seems to me like they want to play a conservative style defense based and you know this is the issue. I don't even know if, if it was a real issue at Alabama. I mean he flipped the switch pretty damn quick but it seems like it's taken Kirby so damn long to get to that point. Yeah. Well, it's a quarterback-driven league, man, and anybody can look around the landscape. Uh, it doesn't take an, it doesn't take a smart man to re- who's the, who's the best two teams in the SEC right now, Mike? Florida and uh, Alabama. And who's the best two quarterbacks right now? Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? JT could have been that guy. He shows he, that he's got potential. Again, going against Mississippi State, and a lot of people that don't follow the the you know the bulldogs they may not realize it but mississippi state has a fantastic defense and what they were what he was able to do against that defense was extremely impressive so i i just think that 
it's too late. It, it, it's too late. And there's a couple other coaches that we're about to get to that are in the same damn boat. In fact, one of them already got fired because he realized too late that that sometimes the guy's not the guy. We've got to go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm That's foreshadowing. That's what we call <laughs> foreshadowing. I got some shit coming down here. I'm, I'm so I'm so mad because you know I, I hate to say it, Mike. I don't give a shit how much. Uh, your length or your tenure at a program or anything like that. Sometimes you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you, you you give fans a hard time. You give me and, and Mike a hard time. You give our listeners a hard time when they're watching the game and they're saying, clearly this guy would have gave us a better shot against Alabama. Clearly this guy would have gave us a better shot against Florida. It, you know what I'm saying? And instead right. of just saying, I, I was wrong. I, the coach speak and all that stuff. I, it's just it, it took two it took two losses for him to finally wrap his head around that. Well, maybe maybe we should try something different down here. Maybe we can't just rely on our defense and a big ass running back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We got to do something different. And, and again, it's too late, but it, it, it shows you that this roster had it all along. Yeah, and we typically don't do this on our recap shows, Shane, but you know we haven't heard from JT Daniels since he got to Georgia. He spoke after the game. This may be the last damn time they ever let him speak in a media press conference here because he basically says the same damn thing. I've been cleared since Arkansas. I can't tell you why I haven't been playing. And then he says, well, you got Jermaine Burton. You got George Pickens. You can throw him the damn ball. That's why you recruited him. Hey, JT, uh, I don't want to read into it too much you you said a couple of times that you were thankful to play football again did you think it was that serious uh coming off of the injury and then secondly are we to expect 400 yard passing from you every single game uh what do you mean by uh the the first question well like i said i don't want to read into it too much you've said you were thankful to play again um did you think that oh oh no i did not think it was the uh end all be all i'm just thankful that i do get to play football uh, it's been a long time since I've taken a game snap. Uh, it feels great to do it again. And then uh, what was the second question again? Are you going to throw for 400 yards every game? Um, you know, we love putting up good numbers. And if the situation presents itself, I'll throw George the ball, I'll throw Kiaris, Jermaine the ball, D-Rob, all of them. I'll throw him the ball every time. Um, but if the if you get a team playing soft, well, I'd have no problem giving Zamir and Cook the ball and Kenny and Kendall and all those guys the ball every single play. Uh, yeah, JT, can you just talk about the confidence of, of putting that ball deep? I mean, you were really pushing it downfield. I know that's what they were giving you, but it just seemed like in a lot of those situations, even third down throws, it was fearless. Did you read that right off the ball, or was that something that happened as the play progressed? Yeah, it was, it was definitely something I saw. Again, they, they were trying to send a little more pressure. They were playing more one high and uh, zero high than they had shown on film. Um, but that's kind of thing. If you have George Pickens and Jermaine Burton – uh, if you're not going to throw it up to them, don't recruit them. You know, I mean, George will make me look good. Jermaine makes me look good. Kiaris makes me look really good when I underthrow a deep ball down the middle and makes a great play. Um, if you're going to give one-on-one with George, Kiaris, and Jermaine and all our guys, I'm probably going to want to make you try and show me that you can stop it. Hey, uh, JT, let me go back to preseason. When, when Jamie Newman opted out, people kind of assumed you would move in, that you would you were taking first-team snaps with Jamie. What happened at that point? Did you have any sort of setback with the knee, or to your mind, was it just performance-related that Dwan and Stetson moved ahead of you? Um, I was not – so I was not cleared for the Arkansas game. Um, 
Uh, other than that, that that's really you know coach decision based. Uh, I think Jamie's decision was separate. I can't speak on it. You know, um, that's I, I don't know everything about it. Um, but no, I I did not look into that as uh you know like oh I got you know something happened to me or anything. Um, I was not cleared for Arkansas, and that that, that was all you know coach Mark's decision. All right, Shane. So I mean, bold take there from JT, but I think he's a hundred percent on. I think uh, you you see a little bit of the that confidence, that swagger, maybe a little bit of a cockiness, but that's what you want from a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I mean, that's. It looks like Georgia's got their guy now. Unfortunately, it's a little too damn late. Yeah, and and it's what you want. You you want this, and you just you. I, I mean, obviously, I think he's going to come back next year. I don't think that's going to be. Uh, yeah, I know you made a joke about it the other day you know, that, that he has that option, you know, who knows, but, um, I, I think this, this is a glimpse of things to come down there. And, um, you know, that's the key, man. You got to be two dimensional too. I, I, I love the air raid and I, I love the pirates play calling, but sometimes I think, I think it, I think it gets caught not having a little bit of a rushing attack and, and Georgia can be a balanced team because they've got weapons everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if they, if, if an offensive coordinator could come in there and really harness what they have, they, they could be dangerous. They, they could be one of these top tier teams. And uh, just again, it's too late. You, you're breaking it in at the tail end of the season. Now, last thing on this game, Shane, I want to kick it over to Mike Leach, but again, we got to, Got to give Mississippi State a ton of credit. They didn't even have enough players to to mm-hmm. play, but they they made the decision. I didn't even know that was something you could do, but apparently that is the rule where they have that fifty three man scholarship limit, and the rule is if you go below that, you have the option of playing the game. They they were in the high forties. They decided they said, "Hey, we're going to go play it," <laughs> and man, they they played their That's guts awesome. out. They played the best game they ever played under, well, maybe the LSU game, but this seems like a more complete game now that we know what LSU is. I I think this was their best game. That's what Mike Leach thinks. So let's kick it over to him on Will Rogers and then on what progress can be made from this game. So they're like the opposite of Florida State, right? That's what you're saying. They manned the, they manned the hell up. Jeez. <laughs> Mike, when you're preparing for a game like this and you're talking to the guys in the locker room and you know that you're shorthanded, how do you kind of balance that and not making too much of a deal of that and still trying to prepare as you normally do? Or or was it harping on that saying, look, we're shorthanded, but we've got what we got and we're going to go out there and try to compete? Uh, next man up, compete with yourself, be the best player you can be, and play together. Mike, you've talked a lot about Will's progress at least the last few weeks. What did you I'm think about of, Will a lot? What Will, Will's progress the last few yeah. weeks? What did you see from him, and and do you feel like tonight was that next step that that he took? I think he's gotten better. I think our I think our O line took a step uh, this week, which I think was important. I think Will did too. I think as a team, uh, we did. I think we played improved, and I think um, uh, you know we played together better tonight than we have some. I mean, it didn't. What sucks is we fell short, but, um, you know, I mean, it's hard for teams to, to generally speaking, stay on the field with Georgia. And then, of course, we were shorthanded besides. And so I was, uh, you know, I, I, I think, we're, you know, we've got a bunch of young guys who are getting better and they're going to continue to get better. And um, anyway, it uh, uh, we played extremely hard and I think uh, – 
well uh, for the most part. I know you've probably hit on this just a little bit, Mike, but when you have a game like this, and obviously we, we don't know how close this game came to not happening, but now that it has happened and you have this film to point at and you, you had 49 scholarship guys that, that you know, I guess are, are bought in and, and all in, how big is this for the future? Just to have this film to point at it and say this is this is what happens when you buy in kind of thing. I feel like it's pretty big, and I think that um, uh, because you know now uh, you you don't just illustrate it; they can actually feel it as they were involved in it. it um, if you come away with a win, it's even bigger. But um, <clears throat> you know the biggest key is to play well. And uh, we did play well today. I mean, the most important thing to do is, is play well. And um, I would say uh, uh, this team tonight uh, played as hard and as well, really, uh, you know, with uh, what your best is, is any team I've ever had. So I've had a lot of great teams. And, yeah, we've beaten some teams. And we've uh, beaten some teams that uh, <clears throat> probably we weren't supposed to beat. But uh, with regard to uh, – uh, <clears throat> matching the best of your ability up to whatever the adversity may be. Uh, th th this team may have uh, uh, performed to that level higher than any other team I've coached. So uh, from that standpoint, uh, I'm very proud of them. Coach, it seems like in every post-game press conference, you've made a comment about your coaches need to coach better. And tonight you haven't made any mention of that. So how do you feel like your coaches kind of handled the week in the ballgame tonight? <clears throat> well, starting with myself and uh, my assistant coaches, because usually the guy that coaches the worst in these situations is me. Uh, <clears throat> I think I think our players in particular, you know, they deserve the biggest pat on the back. But uh, you know, we're proud to be on a team with them and uh, <clears throat> proud to be a part of this one. So, all right, Shade. So this was great to see. I mean, I again similar to Arkansas. Moral victories are not going to do you a damn thing in this conference, but you know we were trending towards dangerous territory. I thought with Mississippi State, mm -hmm. and now here we don't even have a full roster, and we're going toe to toe with arguably the most talented team in the country at their home. You know, away from Starkville. I know we didn't win the game, but we keep playing like this. We play like this next season with. You know, more talent. I mean, they're getting got production out of Jaden Wally. I think it's the first time I heard that name. He has seven catches, 115, and a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, they're, mm -hmm. Mike Leach will get production out of these guys. And, right. and Will Rogers, I mean, this is – I think it's his first road start. He th went out there and threw for 336 yards. I mean, the future is bright if we play like this, if the defense keeps it up, if we just get this offense rolling. Mississippi State's going to be, you know, one of the most dangerous teams – Dark horse teams, particularly in the SEC, don't you think? You know, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but it did feel like Mississippi State played better as a team this week and on both sides of the ball. And it makes you wonder if maybe some of those opt-outs were bad apples and these guys have, have bought back into what Coach is preaching and – uh, because they, I mean, they were playing so damn tough that, that little goal line run, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> every one of them just leaning in. It's just, that's something I don't think we would have saw three weeks ago. So mm -hmm. I, I think this is a new brand for them. 
Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000 so you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. Mm. And we mm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at my bookie with that promo code that SEC. All right, Shay, we waited long enough. The, the viewers have to know oh, <laughs> what cousin Shay thinks about Auburn beating Tennessee thirty to seventeen. This is uh, you know, this is a game I think all Tennessee fans knew was coming as it played out, but. I mean, this is just one of the most bizarre games you'll ever see if you're not a Tennessee fan because I thought – and my, I talked to my dad earlier today. He thought I was damn crazy when I said this. I thought this was the best showing Tennessee had all season. I thought this was the most complete game they showed. And then here that we had about five meltdown plays. <laughs> and that's what defined the game. I mean, they should have won this damn game. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can be convinced otherwise. I think this tweet sums it up here, Mike. I, I... – Stumbled across this either last night or earlier this morning, and it's from Reed Carringer. Mm-hmm. says, the Vols won time of possession, outgained Auburn, didn't lose the turnover battle. The defense allowed just 23 points. Eric Gray averaged almost nine yards a touch and accounted for 222 yards. The Vols had fewer penalties and penalty yards and lost by 13. I that's mean, perfect. That's what. That's exactly what I said. They... Hey, for the vast majority of the game, they dominated. They did. And that's the thing. Eric Gray is running like his hair's on fire. We've got we got a freaking rushing attack. Yet, that's all we have. We're not a balanced team. Now, I, I, Mike, I, I don't like to bash kids. You know what I'm saying? I, he's not a kid because he's been there for 14 years. Garantano is not the daggone answer, Mike. I mean, how many times we got to say it on this damn pod? How many times do the fans got to say number two's not it? And then even when you have Harrison Bailey come out and look productive toward the end of the game, you still got Coach Pruitt saying, well, he's not going to give us the best chance to win. What, do you, you think Garantano is? You're, we're, on, we're the largest. We have the longest losing streak since 1988, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We lose another one. We have tied that record. We have the most consecutive five double-digit games ever in the history of University of Tennessee. Yet Garantano's given us the best opportunity. Newsflash, Mike, is this thing on? Huh? He's not the guy. Move on or lose your job. Let me ask you this, Shane. If they had started Harrison Bailey for the first game of the season, based on everything we've seen from the Tennessee Vols this year, Mm-hmm. Would the record be any worse than two and five? No, that's the thing, Mike. Then they should have been playing not. them the whole damn time. You know what? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> best chance of win. Jeez <laughs> Louise. I like to see what the hell is going on during practice, Mike, because Garantano is the best practice quarterback to ever exist. He's gonna have a he's gonna fantastic career in the NFL as a backup quarterback. But I'm gonna tell you one another thing, Mike. Harrison Bailey did look good. And and I know it was a small sample size, but that was the most exciting. Besides Eric Gray running, was the most exciting. Wait, another note. I will say this: Did you did you do the Sky Cam at all? The channel I did it by mistake because the game started on the wrong channel, yeah. and I was watching. And I was like, "Where in the hell did the commentary go?" <laughs> <laughs> I watched a couple plays before I switched it. I tell you what, when Tennessee started losing real bad, I was on Skycam a lot because I did not want to hear the commentator. And but I liked I liked hearing the crowd noises and everything like that. It was it was crazy. It felt like I was playing NCAA again, you know. But mm-hmm. anyway, side note, I just think um, you know, similar to Mississippi State, just they turned over. You know, they turned over a new leaf. They they realized who they are. They realized this is a rebuild period. They realized that. They're playing for the future, not today. You know, you're going into a game, uh, uh, this game, let's, let's say the Auburn Tigers here. Uh, Auburn's on fire. Auburn's been doing great, and I don't want to take anything away from what they did. They played a good ball game. But it was a game I felt like Tennessee could have won if they would have been a little bit more competitive. Mm-hmm. And competitive is, is it can mean a whole bunch of different things, but – I. I think the biggest one is you've got to look in the mirror. You've got to look at the 11 that you have. And if you feel like something isn't right, if some, if you've got a weak link, now's the time to fix it. Uh, you know, transitioning to 2021, this, this is our time to look for the future. And Garantano is not the future. And I don't give a shit if he gives us the best chance to win against Vanderbilt. They better not trot him out there because I'm telling you right now, the fans are done. They're over it, Mike. They're ready. They're ready to close that book, and they've been ready to close that chapter for a long, long time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Harrison Bailey's the future. They need to turn over the keys. They need to let these young kids play because they felt like there was a spark. And when he was out there, I felt like I was actually seeing progression there for a minute. And I'm again, I'm watching Sky Cam. All right, so mm-hmm. I'm not getting. I'm not getting influenced by the commentary or anything like that. It just felt like even with Rush in his face, he was able to to look at different receivers. I saw receivers catching balls on that last drive. I didn't even know who the hell they were because Garantano doesn't throw passes to people unless they're wearing a different color jersey, Mike. All right, I'm done. All right. Let me break down those five plays because we have barely even talked about the game. But obviously the biggest play was the pick six. But what no one's going to talk about and I'm not trying to defend Garantano because I I agree with you, it's time. But I believe it was the play prior to that, or maybe two plays prior, but he hit Josh Palmer in the damn end zone, touchdown, he dropped it. I mean, that's huge. The two missed field goals, those were huge. Those were definitely in Samaglia's range. And then the biggest uh, defensive issue, I mean, the fastest damn man on the planet, Anthony Schwartz, Right. Let's not cover him. <laughs> Credit Bo Nix for hitting him. I don't think Garantano. I know Schwartz was open by about 30 yards. He probably would have missed him. But those were the plays that defined the game. And yeah. Tennessee, I mean, you got 242 yards passing, 222 yards rushing. I mean, this is a complete a game as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Nine of 15 on third downs. 
you, can, you just can't do much better than that. Just the one turnover, and of course, it was a big one. Yeah. But, man, this was the game that uh, you wanted if you're Tennessee. You just need to limit the mistakes. And, you know, it seems like we've been saying that a lot this year, Shane. And, uh, you know, I'm kind, of, it, I'm kind of there with you. I, I don't like saying Pruitt's on the hot seat, but they keep losing these damn games, and he keeps playing Garantano. Wow. So if he keeps – if he keeps playing them, if he keeps sticking with Garantano, that's the only place. Uh, that's the only place he's gonna gonna be at. And uh, you know, maybe it will be time if they they get smashed here down the end of the stretch. But I think if he's if he's smart enough to turn the keys, maybe he's on that text call with Kirby talking about JT. <laughs> <laughs> turn it over to Harrison Bailey, man, and let's see what he's got. And and I don't I don't want to be I don't I know I just ripped number two a new one, but. It, it wasn't just him. There were a lot of mistakes, like you said. Palmer dropping one, the field goals, um, you know. But credit to Auburn. They just – they stuck to their script, man. They stuck to their game plan. It worked. It, was, it wasn't flashy. It wasn't exciting, but it was just enough. They knew if they kept doing what they're doing, eventually Tennessee's going to screw up like they always do – and they're going to take advantage of it. Now I'm surprised. Now I'm sure they didn't expect a, a hundred yard, you know, pick six. Uh, but if you're a follower of Garantano, you know that's a pattern. Okay. <laughs> I mean, at the time, I think our leading receiver has four. Palmer had four touchdown receptions all year, and Garantano threw three pick six, you know, touchdowns. So like they're the second leading uh, receiver on our team, and. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And Auburn knew that. Auburn knew they just they just can't don't get too excited. Don't don't be too fancy. Don't be too flashy. Swartz, that was a that was a huge play, but there wasn't a lot of that. It was just good fundamental football and, and not a lot of mistakes. And and they did it without their best running back, with their best best weapon went down. So um yeah, just kudos to them, just like I said, just keeping to the script. So let's kick it over to Pruitt real quick here. Shane talking about Harrison Bailey and, mm-hmm. and Garantano. He's he's getting the damn Will Muschamp, Derek Mason treatment. Fans questioning yeah. his job on mm-hmm. uh, Jim Chaney's performance and then on uh, Brett Samaglia. Sounds like he's banged up, but uh, you know maybe you don't maybe you don't play him if he's hurt. You know what? Coach, offensively, you guys outgained Auburn tonight, but only seventeen points. Defense only gives up twenty three. At this point, with, with Jarrett kind of having that Groundhog Day moment again, I mean, do you look at Harrison going the rest of the way? I mean, do, do you have to give him a shot at this point in the season? Well, I think you have to evaluate everybody in our program, you know. So, you know, our, our goal is to, to win every game. Uh, and every week we, we play the guys that give us the best opportunity. Uh, so we'll continue to do that. We'll have to see how – each guy played in this game uh, and, and figure out uh, moving forward what's the best option. Yeah, Jeremy, you said, you know, figuring out guys that give you the best chance to win. Where, where are you sitting right now? Do you think that Jarek Garantano gives you the best chance to win at quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. If I didn't, I wouldn't play him. I mean, guys, he, he, he didn't miss two field goals, okay? Um, you know, coverage. Um, there's lots of things. Did he make a mistake? He made a mistake, absolutely. I made mistakes in the game, okay? So um, the bottom line is, guys, is we all have to execute a little bit better uh, to be productive so we can, we can um, 
score more points on Saturday than the other team does. Coach, what would you say to any fans or any other reservers who are starting to have questions on the progression and direction of this program? It ain't my job, guys. My job's to coach, okay? All right. If you want to ask me a football question, a football question. Coach, with so many inconsistency on offense, do you still trust Gene Chaney as your offense coordinator for the rest of the season? I don't know. Did you watch the game? Uh, we had more yards than they did. So I don't know that there was inconsistency or not there. Also, is anything going on with, with Samaglia health-wise still? Is he still he gimpy at all or has he just, just missed some kicks? No, Brent, Brent, Brent has been uh, – he, he's been going through this since uh, – really since we got back. I'm talking about all the way back in June. You know, when he came back, he, um, you know, he had a little bit of an issue and he's he's tried to work through it. Um, so, I mean, it's it's um, it's very unusual for him uh, to miss some kicks. He felt like he hit one of them really good, but hey, Samagli is a great kicker, okay? Um, and and he'll, he'll make a lot of kicks for us down the road. Uh, Jimmy, just kind of what was your message to the team after this one? Well, the same message I just gave y'all. Uh, love, love their effort, love their toughness, love the way they played together, played for each other. Um, but when we go back and watch the film, we all, me, me, most of all, uh, you know, um, made some mistakes, and 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 we and we got to fix them. You know, uh, I'm. And I, I know they're frustrated. Uh, these guys have competed hard and played hard. Um, you know, playing in a good league with good players, and uh, you got to play clean football to to come out on top in this league. All right, Shane. So there it is. You know, you can sense the frustration from Pruitt. Mm-hmm. And hell, I sense it from you just on the other end of this line. So Ugh. I mean, I know where I know where this is going, but uh, this is the worst damn answers I've heard, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Your coach. This is this is what pissed me off. Like I was mad after the game, but I was pissed off after I heard Pruitt's stupid ass comments. I'm sorry for the language, guys. I really have been bottling it up. So thanks for letting me get it out. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, let's flip over to the other side real quick before you uh, do anything you. even worse. But uh, you know, Auburn. This was a trap game, Shane. They were rusty. Haven't played in 21 days. I thought Bo Nix looked very shaky. I mean, I guess a team like Tennessee, the only way that they're going to beat you is if you're throwing damn interceptions in the end zone, and that's what Bo Nix did, and that was, you know, that was a turning point early in the game. That was a point where I thought, that was the first first sign I thought that Tennessee could win this game, and we saw when Tank Bigsby went down, that was basically Auburn's offense right there. You know what I mean? They, it just kind of goes to show his value to the team. And if they don't have him, look at the rest of their schedule here, Shane. They got Alabama and Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. If they had somehow found a way to loss to lose this one, man, you want to talk about hot seat? You know those people down there—they're going to throw Gus's ass on there. So this was—I think this was a much bigger win than people realize. And uh, you know, credit Kevin Steele's defense. I know they. They got eaten up on the ground, but, uh, you know, it was kind of like a bend but not break. They kept Tennessee out of the end zone, and, and I know a lot of that had to do with Tennessee's mistakes, but you got to give Auburn's defense credit for, you know, making the plays when they had to do it, particularly in that secondary, and, 
you know, they're keeping this season quietly. I mean, they're rising. They're going to, I think they're ranked number 20 now in the nation and they've got a real, real chance. I know you look at that schedule and you say, whoa, good luck with that. But hell, if they upset one of those teams or hell, if they even do both, I mean, we're talking a hell of a season here for Auburn. Uh, yeah, man. Well, it starts with that Iron Bowl. And this is a team that newsflash won last year. So, <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we give we give saving not really a hard time, but, you know, as assistants, they have trouble beating them and everything like that. Well, Gus doesn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, so this team, if they, if they can, you know, if they could get, like you said, I, I I was a little surprised that Bo wasn't a little bit more efficient. I mean, it, it didn't take it didn't take me real long to realize that you know, as long as you can throw a slant, you could probably beat Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. And it just felt like I don't know. At times, he wasn't as confident as he should be, and I don't know if that's just him and his psyche, or maybe I'm just you know just grabbing at straws here because they did get the victory, but. Um, you know that's that's something you can't do when you're playing against Alabama. You got to be. You got. He's got to get that confidence back. All right. Well, let's kick it over to Gus Shea talking about Tank Bigsby, his status on the adversity of the, of the season so far, just how big that pick six was, and then uh, hey, we forgot to even mention this: Tyler Barron, Tennessee linebacker, faking an injury. Gus <laughs> not happy with that one. Yes, Coach. Have you got a uh, preliminary report on how Tank Bigsby is? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he tried to come back in for one play and he had to go back out. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, we we had uh, we had a few uh, injuries that took people out of the game. So, we'll have to see, you know, where we're at here in just a little bit. Gus, can you just speak to the, the, the way your team overcame adversity, not only the last three weeks, but tonight with, you know, Tank and then both offensive tackles going down? Yeah, you, you know, th- this team has battled. They fought every game. Uh, it's such an unusual uh, season with the different ups and downs, the challenges, playing a 10-game SEC schedule, just the mental stuff that goes with that. Not playing in 21 days is extremely challenging, um, and we knew it would be, but our guys showed a lot of fight. Uh, they showed a lot of character, um, and like I said, the first first quarter was ugly on our end. I mean, we just, uh, like I said, we were sleepwalking a little bit, but they flipped the switch, and uh, the last three quarters we played played good, good uh, Auburn football. Gus, you mentioned Smoke's interception. Just how big was that in that third quarter given Tennessee was moving the ball really well and, and had a chance to go ahead there? That, that changed the dynamics of the game. You know, Owen got a piece of him and, and hit the quarterback, and that helped. I mean, he got pressure on the quarterback, hit him, and then Smoke stepped in front. We got a good block right there about the 20-yard line, 30-yard line. He went house call with it. And, you know, that was uh, that was really the key play of the game that changed the whole dynamics and gave us some breathing room and uh, gave us some confidence. Hey, Gus, uh, on your drive in the third quarter there, Tennessee had a player. It looked like he came on the field and then went down with injury. It looked like it kind of took you guys out of rhythm there with the timeout. Uh, what did you see on that play? Dude fell down. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he fell down. They stopped, uh, they stopped the clock. So, I don't know. I mean, probably the same thing you saw. Gus, I wanted to ask you about uh, Bo. He started out 2-7 through that interception and then was really efficient after that. What do you think made the difference for him? You know, I'd like to think it's being off for 21 days. I mean, we practiced and all that. I mean, we had that one week where we only practiced twice because of, uh, you know, our COVID situation. But, you know, it's nothing like getting out there. When you're playing a talented group, and that's a talented team. they got some really good players, and 
we were just a little rusty. We were a little bit off. Um, I think everybody just kind of settled in in that second quarter and kind of took a deep breath, and we started playing uh, clean football. All right, Chase, so this is two in a row where Tennessee has faked an injury and they lost the damn game both times. Mm-hmm. It worked at the time, but maybe maybe that's karma coming back to get them. But, I man, Tennessee's got to coach these guys up better on, on how to fake these damn injuries, don't you think? <laughs> oh, I swear. If we lose to Vandy, I bet Coach Pruitt fakes an injury. <laughs> <laughs> Pulls a nerve in my <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I listen. I've been, I've watched games where they've done that to us, and and, and I've watched games where we've done that to opponents. I'm going to be honest with you; it feels dirty, mm-hmm. Mike. You know, I don't, I don't like it. I, I mean, I understand it, I understand the concept, but I don't want to be that team. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't want, you don't want to win that way. No, no, fake injury. I mean, that was, and they're obvious. That's the thing. You know, I mean, like one thing. <laughs> If you were good at, at faking it. But, man, these guys are not. They are terrible actors. All right, Shay, let's uh, skip on down to the Mayor's Cup. Where, hell, this is another one, Shay. We got to give Missouri a ton of credit. They, you know, we're right at the threshold of them not even being able to play the damn game. Yet they're going on the road. I know South Carolina's having their own issues. But, you know, that was one of my main takeaways of this weekend is just the gutsy performance of all these teams that don't have guys in the lineup ready to play due to the COVID and contact tracing and all that. Yet Missouri just, uh, you know, they keep grinding out these wins. And it's it's different ways, different weeks. I mean, this, this weekend it was all defense basically completely shut South Carolina down for the first half until South Carolina finally, finally, Shane, this is a growing theme here, Quarterback change completely changes the dynamic of a static offense here. Went to Luke Doty. They couldn't really contain him. And, you know, that was a smart move by South Carolina. Should have done that a lot sooner. Probably should have came out the game that way because Missouri was having difficulties handle Luke Doty uh, running ability. But, you know, this was a performance here, Shane, where, you know, you, you lean on your leaders like Larry Roundtree and Nick Bolton. Connor Basilak continues to, you know, he wasn't that great, but he but he didn't cost you the game. And when you're a yeah. freshman going on the road in the SEC, I think that says a lot about you. And just the more time goes on, just the more impressed I am. I thought I thought Missouri was probably going to lose this game. I really did, just based on mm-hmm. all the circumstances around that program and not having guys in and out and not being able to play for several weeks. I think uh, I think we've really got something good here in Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, I do, I do too. And I, I I was with you. I felt like that that long break. Hell, I predicted South Carolina win this game, but and uh, you know it's kind of close there at the end. But you know, <laughs> throw an interception that that'll happen. But I am glad that they turned over to to Doty. Now is he is he the starting guy moving forward? You think? I think he's got to be. I mean, this is yeah. almost the same deal as uh, Tennessee and, and Georgia. You know, like, who knows who the coach is going to be, but at least we have something to build on. That That's all fans want right now. Uh, fans at a lot of these schools, if you're not going to win the SEC, why are you going to keep showing up if you're just going to get your ass kicked week in and week out? That's, Give it, us something that's to the... get excited about. If What what happens if this is the, the worst performance we ever see from Luke Doty? Luke Doty? And it may be. Because he didn't even get to start reps. Now give it to him. 
maybe next week he has a huge game. Hell, he's already getting compared to Connor Shaw. Uh-huh. I'm not putting that on him. Connor Shaw, probably the best quarterback of all time at South Carolina. But if he's a you know a, a quarter of that guy, he's going to be a hell of a player at South Carolina. <laughs> Let's give fans something to talk about you know, the tail end of the season and going into the off season. And this makes you more attractive. I mean, this that's why Lane Kiffin is at Ole Miss right now, Shane, because he yeah. looked at the roster and said, oh, shit, they got Matt Corral. They got John Rice Plumley, They got Ely. They got Elijah Moore. That's where I want to go. Let's give this next coach, you know, hell, we got Kevin Harris, Luke Doty. I can build around this. Let's not, no offense, Colin Hill, but let's not keep trotting him out there. We know what we got in him. Yeah. Yep, no, I'm with you, and uh, I even heard a little Johnny football a few times. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I think you're right because you know it. Fans do matter, and one of the reasons is recruits right now. That's what they are. They're fans, and if they're not excited about the product, you're going to lose them. I mean, you already hear it with Tennessee. Uh, they're they already got a few of them starting to waver, and. Uh, you don't want to have that. South Carolina, they're, they're building something. And then when you're sell, when that new coach comes in and he can say, hey, look, uh, this is what we got. This is what we got coming back. And we're we're going to be exciting. We were fun. Look at these last two, three games with all this young talent out here. You have the ability to play sooner in South Carolina, and this is why. So uh, I, I just think there's a whole bunch of positive vibes that comes out with, uh, with playing some of these young players because, like you said, it gives you something to look forward to in the offseason, especially. Yeah, and this is a team, Missouri, Shane. They didn't even have their defensive coordinator. He was in the COVID contact tracing, too. So they had to shuffle their staff up. They had to kick the defensive backs coach up to defensive <laughs> coordinator. He's the one in the, the intro there that they gave the game ball to. So mm-hmm. uh, let's kick it over to Coach Drink, man, who, who was pretty – he was getting kind of testy on this one. He's He's – I think he's calling us out here, Shane. He's he's written us down here. He's <laughs> giving him only two wins. Uh, but, uh, they, hey, the defensive coordinator called that in, game ceiling interception. Uh, he says, hell, we got about a 1AA roster the way it's looking right now, yet we're continuing to win. And then on leading, leaning on these uh, leaders like Larry Roundtree and Nick Bolton, I think that's the difference right now at Missouri. And I can't be any more proud of our football team, the fight they displayed, the the toughness they showed. You know, to have 52 scholarship players available and play the game. You know, I know we traveled 56, but we knew Jeff Coat was going to be out. We knew that X, Larry, and and um, uh, Kobe were going to be out, and and to to still find a way to win. You know, defense played lights out. We knew Coach Walters wasn't going to be here. Tip of our hat to our defensive staff, especially Coach Gibbs, just called an excellent game. Um, just just really an awesome performance all the way around. Obviously, we didn't do uh, what we needed to do offensively in the second half to put the game away. But, uh, you know, we found a way to win, and that's what you have to do. Um, special teams did a great job flipping the field. And so, hey, we're going home three and three, and, and uh, uh, really proud of our team right now. Eli, I, I know in, in your halftime interview with SEC Network, you said you guys need a turnover, need to force a turnover to win. Um, what did you, what was sort of your interaction with Devin after the game? And uh, what did you tell him about that interception? Uh, great job. Uh, last time I saw Devin, he was running around the turnover robe. Um, so, you know, tremendous job. Coach uh, Smith does drop school for the linebackers every day, every Wednesday after practice and showed up right there. Did an excellent job. Coach Gibbs said on that last drive, I got on their headset and said, sorry, coach. And he said, don't worry about it. We're going to get a turnover right here. And he did. 
Hey, Coach, just to be three and three with all the obstacles that you guys have faced and being a first-year head coach, just uh, what, what do you think of that in a conference-only schedule to, to be three and three? Well, I've got a couple of screenshots of people that predicted us to only win two games, so they can they can have those screenshots back. And, um, you know, I think that for me is the biggest thing is, you know, just for our team having a chip on their shoulder, people counting us out before we even got to the fight. And there's no quit in us, you know. We have 52 play scholarship players, man. I mean, that's that's a one double A roster right now, and our guys are fighting and giving everything you got. Nick Bolton's playing every snap. Um, you know, our D line's giving us everything out. We started two true freshmen at corner tonight, and uh, to be where we're at, it's a tribute to our players, it's a tribute to our seniors, and a tribute to our staff um, for just fighting, fighting. Yeah, Eli, Larry finally passed the the record for most yards by a running back. Just overall having him, a stable guy like him coming in as a as a new coach, what has he meant to you and, and your team? Well, I mean, he's a captain, so the first thing he means is that it means he's get, got the respect of his teammates. And, you know, core value for us is build trust and respect. And felt like we've worked really hard to just build trust with uh, and, and so, you know, he, he has a lot of trust and respect, and he's just an outstanding person. He's got great work ethic. And, um, you know, to have complimentary guys like Larry Roundtree and Nick Bolton on the offense and defensive side, it's um, – it, it for me in this job, it makes – you know, it makes, uh, makes all the difference. You know, it makes all the difference. Those two guys hold this team together. Um, they make sure we play hard. They make sure we practice hard. Um, they have the respect of every coach I talk to in this conference. Every time I shake somebody's hands at midfield, they all want to know if those two guys have COVID because if they're playing, they know they're in for a dogfight all day. And um, so really proud of both of them. All right, Shane, so just listen to the coach there. I mean, that's you get a sense of what I'm talking about, of why I've got faith in this guy to get the job done. And, you know, I think this is something we've said many times before, but, you know, this is not even, for the most part, his roster, and it's probably going to be – you know, no disrespect to the guys on it right now, but it's probably going to be his worst roster in Columbia. Yet we're already, I mean, they're looking like potentially the third best team in the East. And if you're a Missouri fan and you're saying this is the worst he's going to do, I mean, I'm taking that 10 times out of 10, aren't you? Definitely, man. And and that's when I'm looking at, at teams developing and, and, you know, I always look at the coach. I want I want to know because, like I said, I'm out on defense, man. I don't care if you're a defensive coach. You're starting to see them. I mean, Muschamp, defensive coach, gone. You know, that it's it's done. Every this is we are Pruitt, Mason. To, I mean, all these guys. Yeah, yeah they're all. We got to go to offense, and it feels it feels like that's exactly what Mizzou has here. Then you go to the quarterback. You got a young quarterback that's showing a lot of potential, room to grow. So. Uh, I think the future is bright for the Mizzou Tigers. I, I just they, they still need a couple weapons, like you said, and, and I think that's where Eli can turn on the film, tell, show some of these local recruits, say, hey, man, I need some receivers, and this is why, mm -hmm. because we've got everything else we need. So um, that, that's that's exciting, man. You got, I think out of all the programs in the East right now, that's definitely one of the most exciting ones uh, going into next year. And you referenced Basilak there, Shane. He said after the game. Now, of course, things can change, you know, depending on how well he does the next couple of years. Maybe he makes the jump early. But he says, I'm coming back next year as a redshirt freshman. So we might have four more years of Basilak. So yeah. rewrite those Missouri record books.
That's right. The new golden goose, man. <laughs> <laughs> so flipping over to the other side of this one, I mean, my God, Shady, it was uh, it was like a tale of two halves here. Literally could not get anything going in the first half. I mean, we had three consecutive three and outs for South Carolina. And then we insert Luke Doty. And, you know, Mike Bobos, we'll get to him in a moment here. But he says kind of like a chicken out there with his head cut off. But, <laughs> I mean, that's a great analogy because he's out there. He's running. He's gunning. He probably doesn't understand, you know, the vast majority of the playbook. But uh, what he does got down, he looked damn good to me. And uh, this is this has got to be it, man. Jalen Brooks now finally coming along. He's been catching some hell. So, uh, Luke Doty not only led him in passing but in rushing. Uh, hey, Coach, wanted to ask, um, during halftime, what is kind of the decision-making process to, to send Luke out there, and, and how do you kind of uh, grade his first, uh, his first full half, kind of taking that, taking that quarterback role? Well, uh, you know, obviously everybody saw Shy go down on the first drive. And, uh, you know, what, what our plan offensively to do uh, in the passing game kind of went a little bit kaput. Uh, you know, we weren't able to protect – uh, they were able to get pressure, which they they're a five man pressure team. They load the box, uh, and they they got pressure on pressure on Colin. Uh, they were doing a great job slanting and moving up front, uh, causing us to run sideways a lot, like Texas A and M in the run game. And you know, and we had a plan coming in that Luke Doty was going to play more in this game because we felt like he gave us an extra hat in the run game. We felt in all the man coverage, it would open up some seams for him to be able to tuck the ball and run. Uh, you know, at halftime, we kind of went through things, talked about what we we're going to do the second half. And, you know, I just, as I was walking out, I made a decision. I said, we got to go with Luke. Uh, I felt like he gave us the best chance to win. I'm going to say this about Luke Doty. The moment's not too big for him. Uh, that was obvious in this game. Uh, he was calm. He was cool. He was collective. Now, it was a lot of backyard ball out there. It was a lot of running around like a chicken with her head cut off, uh, but you, you, it, it looked like a calm and collective guy uh, doing it out there. Uh, it, it might not look like chaos to some guys, but it was a little bit of a chaos. Uh, I think it didn't look like chaos because he's so cool back there, and I was proud of him. Uh, I think the team was proud of him the way they, way they uh, battled. And when I made the decision at halftime, Coming out, I basically told every, you know, everybody on defense we were going number four. I told the offensive line we were going number four. I need to step up uh, and you know basically hold the rope uh, a little tighter. And they did that and put ourselves in position uh, to have a chance to win. Unfortunately, we came up short. Does the fact that Connor and Luke play a similar style did that allow Connor to help him any more than he might have another guy this week? Were they able to communicate in a in a way, because they have a similar game. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, Connor's. You know, Connor's kind of been. A, he's a mentor to all the guys, but he's been a mentor, you know, to Luke since day one. I think they share a little bit of bond because they're the only only two in that whole room that can run and move around a little bit. Uh, you know, there's a lot. There's two former quarterbacks, myself and Connor, and the other guys in that room, and those two are the only ones that can actually make a play with their legs. So. Uh, they've had a little bit of bond, uh, you know, and, and I think you, you might be on to something to that. But, you know, they, Luke had his plays and his game plan, you know, that we were going to insert him. And then we just made a, made, a, made a decision there that he was going to run the whole show. And obviously we couldn't do everything that we had coming in the game. But, uh, you know, Connor's been good for that whole group. You know, I'm kind of joking a little bit when I say that. Connor's been good for the whole group. 
Hey, Mike, at the end of the game, after, uh, after, well, after Luke threw that interception, I saw you put your arm around him. I was wondering if you were just talking about that specific play or were you talking about, you know, his game overall? What was your message in that little moment? Uh, I, I talked about the play uh, and the coverage that they were in and where we needed to go with the ball and, you know, how we still had a timeout, 50 seconds left, the things that I just said. But then I also talked about I was proud of him. You know, uh, that's, a, that's a tough situation for any young man to go in, into you know, off the bench, down 17 to nothing. But, you know, he responded. He didn't blink. Uh, he played with confidence. And like I said earlier, he looked like he belonged. So just letting him know I was proud of him. Uh, I've, always been, I've always been proud of Luke. Uh, he's a positive guy. As a team guy. You know, when you talk about playing for, the, for Carolina and wanting to be here, and, and it's all about the team and not himself, uh, that's Luke Doty. I know this is like a lost season. We're more focused on who the next coach is going to be than anything that happens on the field. But if I'm a South Carolina fan, I'm signing up every Saturday to show up to watch Luke Doty, see what he's got. And remember, this is a kid that, you know, he we now we've seen what he can do as a quarterback. He was more than willing to say, we need help at receiver. Put me over there. I'll do whatever the hell I can to help this team out and – I mean, that's what you want. I mean, that's what you want from a quarterback. You know what? Yeah, because again, not a sexy game, Mike. When you when you have fourteen punts total, it's it's just <laughs> it's just not a fun <laughs> outing. But but there, there were small doses of of there were small glimpses of exciting things that happened on both sides of the of the ball here, uh, on offense and defense with Mizzou and with South Carolina. So I think that's. There was just a small little victories that we were able to pull out, and uh, I, I just, I, I, I thought it felt like South Carolina was was really given all they had, and, and that's that's a good sign because we were we really were worried about you know some of these opt outs and and some you know some of these players not buying in, and uh, it, I didn't see that. Did you? No, not at all. I mean, I. Again, it's kind of like your comments with Mississippi State. I think we've kind of got written, got rid of the guys that didn't want to be there, and mm-hmm. more power to them. But I think South Carolina's probably better off on the field without them. Yeah, for sure. All right, next game, Shave Florida goes on the road. They hit that damn snooze button. <laughs> Beat Vanderbilt thirty-eight seventeen. This was a sloppy game. This was a back and forth one, Shane. And for Aggie fans, if you're out there, I know you were off, so you. But I finally, finally, Shane, I moved Texas A&M ahead of Florida in my power rankings. And it's because of his defense, man. That's right. And I know we've been praising Vanderbilt. They do have got some young talent. But, I mean, the first half, I mean, it was basically score for score. And it was a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. a lot of missed tackles. And I know, you know, I'm not giving up on Florida or anything. They, they deserve their ranking. They're headed towards the college football playoff if they continue to, to win out. And they deserve that. But at some point, you know, if Vanderbilt is keeping up with you, imagine what Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M we've already seen. You know, these teams are – It's Florida's going to have to play flawless on offense. And I'm, I'm not saying they're not right. capable of that, but, hell, anything could happen. A, a tipped ball, a, a strip, a, I mean, anything. And, I mean, the margin for error based on this game is so small for Florida – because of their defense, and I thought we were improving on that side of the ball, and and a game right here. And like I said, maybe they just maybe they just hit that snooze button. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm I'm concerned now once again about the 
a Vanderbilt team that just kind of had their way with Florida defense for about half a game. Well, Mike, I mean, it was 11 in Nashville, so <laughs> I just <laughs> I, 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 I was the same way, man. I, I try to make this little story there there at first, but, you know, Florida, Florida's just got too many damn weapons, and yeah, it, they, they probably didn't take this game as serious as they should have, mm-hmm. and, and, and that definitely showed in this being a top ball game for a while, but uh, once they decided to to kick in gear, man. Again, they showed you why they're the one of the best talented teams in, in the country right now. So, uh, kudos to Seals. Uh, I thought he, I thought he looked good. Um, I, I just thought Vanderbilt was just playing tough, man. They, you know, we talked about gritty. I, I'm Vandy is is a gritty team, buddy. And, and yeah, they're they've lost every game they played, but didn't it wasn't lack of effort. These guys scrap, and and that showed Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, the the reason though I don't buy the, uh, you know, it was it was early talk with Florida. Yeah, because damn Kyle Trask was wheeling and dealing, man. It wasn't too early for his ass. Uh, Tony, did you see that move he put on the Vanderbilt defensive back? Put him on his damn ass, just running around. Oh, you was, know what I mean? Like the offense was razor sharp. He was ready. I think the defense wasn't though. <laughs> right. Well, what do they do? What do they do with half the team's ready and the other half is it? I don't know. I guess maybe the other half showed up. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they're over at the uh, uh, the Grand Ole Opry or something. (laughs) But I like what you said about uh, Vanderbilt because it it's true, man. They're showing up. They're fighting hard for their coach. They're another team that's down because of opt outs and COVID and all this. So uh, you know, we got to credit them. They they were not intimidated by Florida. And they couldn't have stopped them, but uh, they, you know, they ran with them on the other side of the ball, and that's something we've kind of come to expect. And uh, we'll jump over to their coach comments in a in a second here, because I got something to something to ask you on the other end. So let's kick it over to uh, we're going to do both here, Dan Mullen and uh, Derek Mason. Neither one of them had a had a ton to say, but Mullen talked about the the issues on defense and and if his team can you know build some confidence, winning ugly. And then Coach Mason was asked about the effort being given on the field and if Vanderbilt's getting better each week as the season goes on. Defensive breakdowns, those aren't a concern for you? I mean, what do well, you everything's a con- everything's a concern for me. The offensive breakdowns, the defensive breakdowns, they're all concerns for me. That's uh, what we do, and we go coach them up and get them fixed. And, you know, the, the easiest thing to say is, okay, you know, if, if it is one thing, then you just, you know, it, it's pretty easy. It should be to fix one thing on the sideline. Uh, you know, we, we did that on, on several other things we're fixed on the sideline. Some of it is with stuff we got to get fixed during the week and, and get better at. And so, I mean, we had breakdowns on both sides of the ball today. That was, uh, you know, that were, were at times disappointing, you know, and, and you know, because and, and I'd love I know you guys look at it. Okay. Is it a missed miss tackle? That's easy. Is it a missed tackle because we had poor angle on the ball? Is it a missed tackle because we had a missed assignment? Uh, is it a missed tackle for poor effort? Is it a missed tackle uh, because we had the wrong guy maybe in, in a situation to go make that play one-on-one? Um, was it a good call? You know, uh, everything that you look at. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's not, okay, oh, it, it's one thing leads to this. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different things that could happen on, on any given play. And you say, oh, you know, oh, that was a missed block. 
well, maybe we, we, the quarterback checked us into the wrong play and made it a really, really hard block. And when there was a much easier thing for us to be able to do, you know, maybe, hey, boy, they made great coverage and they're all over us. Or he made the wrong read, uh, you know, or we had a missed assignment in protection and they're able to get pressure on us. Or we just had poor technique. Uh, maybe it was a bad call. I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I, I can guarantee you I, I evaluate uh, all the defense, the offensive calls. I mean, I, you know, I'm very hands-on on that between Brian and I, so I have a good idea which were good and which were bad beforehand. Sometimes you go review and there's still off, and then we go and study it, you know, study it with Todd. What we thought were good calls, bad calls. So that there's like the myriad of things that you continue to look at to make sure that we're doing a good job. As you mentioned, kind of stubbed your toe along the way there. Do you almost need a win like this if you're chasing a championship just to realize you can win different ways? Uh I don't know if you need it, but I think it helps that, you know, the team can uh, – team understands to come along. You know, when you look at different times during the game, we made plays, we, you know, like we've continued to do, that helps build team confidence. You know, I mean, they got a chance. We're up, we're up 21, and they got a chance. They're driving. They make a couple of plays, you know, and there's a, a call that could go one way or the other that could end a game, and they keep driving. And, you know, we end the game with an interception. And then, and then, you know, the offense comes on the field and we were able to get two first couple first downs to finish out the clock. You know, uh, we got a good lead, right? We're, it's 14 and then we, they're driving. We put them into out, almost a point where it's out of four down territory, right? Defensively, we push them back where they're in four down territory. We push them back where they're out of four down territory. And you give Andy making all the plays today. I mean, they punt us to the one inch line. Right, I mean, their receivers are leaping over guys, making these spectacular catches, converting some long-distance situations. You know, they made some big plays, but you know, the defense gets—they they would give up these yards in a 14-point game, right? I think it is. They we end up knocking them back to stop them. Then they punt us to the one-inch line. Then the offense comes out and goes 99 and a half yards. You know, that's great team football. That's, that's one side saying, "Hey, look, we can make the stop." Then the other side saying, "Hey, great, you make the stop. We'll put the game away." And. Uh, you know, that's what that's I think that helps build a lot of confidence with everybody within the team because you're going to win as a team. That's we need you win. If you're going to be a great team, you win as a team, not on offense, not just on defense or kicking game. You win as an entire and complete team. Yeah, Derek, when you look at some of the some of the play that Chris Pierce made and Cam and some others, it looks like the effort uh, is really there. Are you pretty pleased the fact that these guys haven't won a game and it looks like the effort is, is, is there this late in the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's that's really the you know, I mean the goal every week is to shift, refocus and go to the next game. And I thought these guys prepared the right way. I thought there were some opportunities uh there uh that 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 we could have had and should have had. Um I mean, I thought you you saw plenty of progress. Uh we did get off to a, a faster start. I don't know if I can say the fastest, but we got off to a faster start and um, that's what we needed to do in this ball game to put some pressure on Florida. I thought we did, um, but when you look at this ball game, this ball game came down to what we didn't do. Uh, you know, when you look at us offensively, what we needed to do with our last possession and what we needed to do with our—I mean, last possession of the half—and really what we needed to do on the the, the backside of it, like really coming out and needing to, you know, match match the intensity Florida came out with in the second half. And if you look at your last three games. Made, this is three of your best games of the season. Do you feel like your team is getting better? And if so, why? 
This football team is getting better. I mean, we, we still have some depth deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball, but, you know, I mean, we're working hard on the back end to just keep keep us functionally, you know, going. I think, um, you know, what you see is, like, this group is playing games, and I think anytime you continue to play games, you know, like what happens is, man, you start to you start to get a rhythm in a, in a time and place where there's not, you know, a lot of rhythm and cadence to what you do. Um, we've been able to make, you know, consecutive Saturdays for, I think, the last four weeks in a row. And so when you can do that, okay, at least what you do is give yourself a chance to, 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 to build on, you know, what you believe is a, a, a strong, young core group of guys with some, some veterans mixed in that, that, that can really take you to a different spot. But, you know, week to week, man, the goal is to win. Uh, man, this group is competing, and I just told them in the locker room, we're not going to step off of that, you know. So, you know, you'll look at you'll, – you'll get a couple of hours to, you know, wind down. You'll come in tomorrow. We'll look at the tape. Hopefully, I mean, you will have looked at it already to see, you know, man, where we missed some things. And let's make sure that we use this information to move us forward. All right, Shane. So this is kind of what I really wanted to ask you because Vanderbilt, and this is something we've been saying. I don't know if people have been buying it or not. Maybe because, you know, the competition, you've not been watching Vanderbilt game if you're not a Commodore fan, but they have been get, getting better week in, week out. How scary is this damn Commodore team, Shane, for uh, you know, Tennessee Homer next week? <laughs> Dude, I, I feel like there's a chance we may be their first victory. I ain't going <laughs> to lie. Uh, I, I, don't, I know we're going to get to the point spread in here in, in a minute, but when you sent that email and I was trying to guess on that one, man, I was like, ooh, you know, is this a pick em? I don't know. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I, I, th- I think that's the thing, though. You, this is a team you, you can – you can easily overlook uh, by looking at their record, man. Uh, you're looking at 0-7. I guarantee if they would have had three or four non-conference games, this wouldn't be an 0-7 team. This would probably be a 3-4 and four team or something along those lines. It, I just think that the fact that they're doing all SEC play, it, it, you know, that that hurt these guys tremendously, but they're – they're slowly progressing every single week. And that's what's worrisome for a team like Tennessee, which still feels like they don't know what damn lane they're supposed to be in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Final game here, Shay. I mean, this was, you want to talk about a damn snoozer, Alabama whooped the hell out of Kentucky 63 to three. And this is despite Kentucky, you know, putting up a decent fight here to start out the game. But you know, this is the same thing, and I say it, I've said it 20 damn times on this show, but what in the hell are we doing when we go up against Alabama and we play conservative and we kick field goals? And there was one play that really got me. It was third and goal from about the seven, and Kentucky called a uh, quarterback draw, got about a yard. And that was when they called out the field goal, and it, I believe it went over the I think that was the one where that where that went over the snapper's head and they lost forty yards. But just what in the hell are we doing if we think we're going to beat Alabama with field goals? That that more than anything pisses me off, Shane. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, what's what's the logic there? I mean, the only time we've seen Alabama tested, Ole Miss, you know, wheeling and dealing, going for it on fourth down. I think Texas A and M did a little bit of that as well. But you're just not gonna. I mean, what is the logic there if you're if you're playing anything but balls to the wall against the Crimson Tide, especially on the road? No, it's it's 
that's a frustrating part of watching an Alabama game because you do see a lot of that vanilla play calling. Like they're afraid, like they don't, it's like they're not playing to win. They're just playing not to lose by too much. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if we keep this competitive and, you know, I'll get our field goals. We'll let them have their touchdowns. We'll just try to keep the chains moving and we can get out of here with a 21 point loss. It's a win. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't understand that concept. You play the game to win, and it felt like at times Kentucky was not doing that. And, you know, I, I know they got hit hard with the COVID. Uh, they they had some, you know, they were thin as well, just like a lot of these teams that we're talking about. But there was moments in this game Kentucky was in it. I know it's crazy. You look at the score, 63-3, and you're like, if you didn't watch this game, you wouldn't know the second quarter that this, this thing was still a ball game. Mm -hmm. It's just – that conservative play calling just bit them in the ass and they got to be perfect. You can't have drop passes that you can't, you can't have that against Alabama. You can't have a snap go over your head and, and cause you points. You just, you can't have that when you're playing Alabama and they needed all the breaks to go their way. And unfortunately it didn't. And oh, and not to mention they got a, Oh, what are they call him? Turnover Wilson. What are they call the uh, Terry out there now? <laughs> You know, turnover Terry. Yeah, is that what they call him now? <laughs> and this they touchdown Terry. I'll tell you that right now. Kind of like the uh, Auburn showing. I mean, Alabama. I think you know. I think that time off kind of slowed them down a little bit, maybe, and and that kind of had affected them. But once they got that damn ball rolling, Shane. I mean, look at their their drive chart here: touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown interception which was near the damn goal line they're about to score again punt and then touchdown 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 ball game i mean that once alabama got rolling i mean there was just there was no stopping them in this one mac jones you know he didn't even have that great of a performance but still he's like making these eye-popping throws the the first touchdown to devonta smith was one of the best throws i've seen this entire damn year and it's pretty remarkable when Mac Jones is making these plays and, and we're saying, well, hell, he only threw for 230 yards and two touchdowns. But it's not like they needed him to go wild here. Uh, Najee Harris had the longest run of his career, 42-yard run. And Devonta Smith, I already mentioned him, he got two touchdowns. He is the all-time leading touchdown receiver in the history of the SEC with 33 his 32nd was the uh, record breaker. He beat Amari Cooper. So, yeah, again. And, and Chris Doring. Oh, now, I watched. <laughs> I was, you got to say that because I watched. Uh, I always like to watch the next morning that uh, SEC, whatever mm -hmm. thing they do, mm -hmm. that show. And uh, and it keeps repeating itself. And, and as I'm getting ready and stuff, I've seen the video twice. They were recording his face. When Smith caught that touchdown, you could just tell that he was like, "Oh, that's good for him." And he's trying to smile, you know. <laughs> but that does got to suck. A watch it. Yeah, you get, like get that camera out of my face. Got to watch my record get broke. So, but uh, I I didn't think about it. But they were joking about it earlier. You know, Smith was one of those players. Actually, Saban's going to talk about it here in a minute. Where you know he had the opportunity to go to the NFL and. And you see a lot of these kids that have opted out this year. You see a lot of these kids that that 
you know, forego their senior year to go to the draft, and then they're drafted in the third, fourth round when they were promised a one-two rating, and mm-hmm. you see all that. Here's a guy that stuck around that had all he had to do. He had plenty to lose coming back with everything going on, COVID situation. Could have opted out at any time. Fellow teammate getting hurt. I mean, that had to be an eye opener. But he's still doing it, and he's breaking records, and he's increasing his odds for the next level of the NFL draft. So I, I think that's huge, man. All right, so let's kick it over to uh, – we're going to do both here. Neither one of them had a ton to say here, but uh, Nick Saban, I just thought this was great. Time of possession means nothing to Coach Saban. What happened on uh, Mac Jones's uh, interception on uh, Devonta Smith, what he means to the Alabama program, and then Mark Stoops – on all the mistakes Kentucky made and then on, you know, how how this loss hurts the perception of his program after, you know, climbing out of the cellar, all the hard work they've done to, to get there. You've been in this business a long time, but when you see young guys like Bryce Young throw his first career TD pass and then Waydell and Jace score their first touchdowns, how happy are you for those kids considering, you know, the, the work they put in on daily uh, level as well. Well, I think it's always great when those kids get an opportunity to play. Uh, I think the experience is very beneficial to them. Uh, it's also very positive for them to get uh, the self-gratification that they get when they throw a touchdown pass or score a touchdown. And uh, I think the players on the team really kind of demonstrate the emotion that everybody has, you know, when those young guys uh, do something because everybody's rooting for them. Everybody wants to see them do well. And, um, you know, it's great for them to get the opportunity, and it makes me really happy to see them go out there and have production. And, you know, everybody wants to score a touchdown, so I think that's great. Yeah, well, um, we knew that was the kind of game that they were going to play. Um, I think I mentioned that, you know, even in my press conferences, that they run the ball, shrink the game, try to minimize the number of possessions that we had on offense, and it was going to be really important that we control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we didn't do that in the beginning of the game. We couldn't run the ball. I mean, all the plays that we made early in the game were all pass plays, uh, and we didn't. We weren't very effective at stopping their run, so they did keep the ball. But the last time I checked, you get nothing for time of possession. So if that means you score fast on offense, you don't have very much time of possession. If you don't score and you keep the ball for, you know, six minutes and you don't score, well, what, do you, what do you get for that? You get Is there... Something you get for that? I, I don't know. But we, we don't want it to be that way. Um, but, you know, we make a lot of explosive plays on offense, so sometimes we score fast. Our time of possession hasn't been in our favor in very many games all year. So, um, but we score a lot of points. Yeah, what was your impression of the way that Nick, uh, sorry, that, um, that Mac played tonight and uh, just what happened on that interception on the, uh, the throw to the end zone there? Well, I think, you know, we're, I no disrespect to Mac, but we're getting a little greedy. You know, the guy had Smitty cut off, and really it was probably not a, I call them hope throws. You know, the guy's got him covered, so we're going to throw it up anyway and hope he catches it. But um, so the guy made a good play. I mean, the guy's a good player. You know, they're, uh, number one is a, is a good player, and, you know, he was keeping, you know, trying to keep us cut off, which is thought, how we thought they would play. Um, and, you know, the whole thing going into the game is you got to take what the defense gives, take what the defense gives, you know, throw the check down if they got us cut off and covered in a deep part of the field. So, um, you know, that's basically what happened. And, 
you know, we, we, we don't want to be throwing those kind of balls. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned Smitty a little bit in your opening statement, but just what did it mean to get a guy like him who's a permanent captain um, to come back for his senior season, and how does he kind of uphold the core values of your program? Well, I don't think there's anybody that holds up the core values of the program and reinforces those core values to other players on the team any better than Smitty does. First of all, he sets a great example. He's got great work ethic, but you know he's not afraid to uh, take a guy one-on-one and talk to him about you know, what he can do to improve or why we do some of the things that we do and how it can benefit them in the future. And, you know, Smitty came back because he wanted to have a great productive year. He wanted to get a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger and improve his draft status. And, you know, I certainly think he's demonstrating that uh, in a really, really positive way uh, so far this year. Mark, obviously not having a full complement of players was not the best case scenario today. Do you have any update on when you might get some of those guys back, and obviously the, the task doesn't get much easier next week. I really don't. I have no idea, um, you know, what that looks like until, you know, we do some more tests and see how they come back. So, um, you know, it's difficult to practice and game plan guys all week and find out on Friday morning before you get on a plane that you're not going to have some, but it is what it is. I think everybody in the country is dealing with it. and. Uh, this is not the uh, team or place that you want to come to uh, down some guys. I just wonder about all the mistakes that you made because midway of the second quarter you could have been right there, but you just seemed like you just beat yourself. Yeah, that, that was part of my opening statement was, um, you know, you know you're going to be in a tough environment from the start, and I thought we did do some good things early, but then the mistakes just, you know, you can't do that against a team like this. Um, I think we have an opportunity to at least go 7-6. Instead, we snap it and lose 40 yards and give them great field position. And, uh, you know, that's a big momentum killer for, for your team. It kind of deflates you. Um, you can't make those kind of mistakes. Mark, do you worry, you know, it's been a while since you all have had a loss like this just as far as the scoreboard. Do you worry about how that sets you back maybe just from a perception from recruits or what have you? Or do you? bit more stock in that than I do no I do I don't like it you know it's not not a good look it's not something you know where we want to be we are over that you know um, and uh, today you have to give them credit you know that that's an explosive team um, you know we're, we're dealing with uh, this is not a, a team or place you want to come when you're when you're down guys and that's not an excuse they they you know they're it's just uh, what it is um, you know, we can't afford to, to practice all week with guys and then lose them on Friday before we get on the plane. It's not, not, a good, not good for us. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like it, and I don't think anybody does uh, wants to accept that kind of score, no. All right, Shane, so it's pretty bad when the day of Nick Saban's joking about uh, the fact that we got Bryce Young and all these young guys out there, and we're having fun. They're scoring touchdowns. Oh, man, it was, it was a <laughs> fun old time out there. Nick Saban never has any fun out there, but he had fun on Saturday. And then on the flip side, I mean, <laughs> Shane's ready to put Mark Stoops on the hot seat, but yep. I mean, this this was a disastrous performance. This is this is one of these where K- Kentucky fans have got to feel like, hey, I thought we were beyond this. You know, where sixty point SEC loss ridiculous. This is uh this is looking like pre Mark Stoops era, and I really think, uh, you know, not that one game is ever going to define you, but if you let this damn thing snowball, you got Florida next. They're more than capable of doing the same thing. 
I don't, we could have a real real issue here in Kentucky if uh, I don't know. We've got we've got to get this fixed. I guess it's just what I'm trying to say. Jeez, yeah, we can't have sixty point ball games. I don't care, you know what's what's going on. I don't care how many players you brought down there. That's that's just you know when they break out these stats and it's saying you know this hasn't been done since the St. Louis game of nineteen oh eight. That's when you're in just you're in a bad spot, man. You're in uncharted territory, so uh, you can't have that. Especially Kentucky, it, it, that a team that actually had production running the ball um, kind of surprised me that they they weren't able to stick with that just a little bit more with Alabama mm-hmm. and uh, you know chew up some of this clock. And I, I know I hear I was just talking about winning, but. You know, when you see this thing going to a sixty-point game, you know maybe maybe we should just play a little keep away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Shane. So we uh, we just did all the roundup of all the games we got here in the SEC. Like I said, I had a hell of a time watching them all. It was um, you know it's great to have nearly a full slate. I hope we get it next weekend because it's rivalry mm-hmm. week, Shane. This is. It's so yes. weird that this is not the end of the season, but we got a couple games left. But hey, the important thing is getting these games in, not necessarily when they happen. So you ready to uh, guess the the rivalry week line, Shane? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first up on the docket here, Shane, Kentucky at Florida. What'd you have for this one? Oh, I'm not like ready, ready. Um... <laughs> I got I got yours if you need them. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Which one? Uh, Kentucky at Florida. Hmm. Better not be 63, Mike. I'm going to go Florida minus 28. <laughs> I said Florida minus 24, and it opens at Florida minus 23. So I got that one. How about this one, Shane? This was a this was a stunner to me. Arkansas at Missouri. What'd you have for this one? Arkansas minus five and a half. I said Arkansas minus six. How about this, Shane? Missouri opens as a favorite, two-point favorite. Ooh. How, where the hell are they getting that one from, buddy? Man, it's rivalry, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> these two, I'll tell you what, these two teams do hate each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, at Mizzou, you're going to be a factor. So Barry Odom, that, revenge game? I wouldn't be surprised if this is bet down a little bit, Mike. All right, how about the Iron Bowl, Shane? Auburn at Alabama. What would you have for this one? Alabama minus 17. Hey, that was the same thing I said, but we were way off, Shane. Alabama favored by 25 points. Golly, no respect for Gus, huh? <laughs> Jeez Louise. That kind of surprises you, don't it? Oh, Just yeah, that, that's stunning because we all know what Alabama's got, but, hell, Auburn keeps squeaking these damn games out. They're playing tough. They always play tough, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a that's a strange one. <laughs> All right, how about the Egg Bowl, Shane? Mississippi State at Ole Miss. What'd you have for this one? Oh man, the Egg Bowl. This is gonna be a great game. Old Miss minus eight. I said Ole Miss minus ten. I win this one, Shane. Ole Miss favored by twelve in this matchup. Man, and I'm just I'm glad I'm place. glad Mississippi State is uh playing hard because it's gonna make this game that much better, I think. I'm telling you, man, Vegas ain't messing around this week, boys. How about girls? <laughs> <laughs> how about this one, Shane? This is gonna be one of the best games of the weekend. LSU at Texas A&M. You want to talk about teams hate each other? What'd you have for this yeah. one? Well, unless it goes to eight overtimes, I've got minus. <laughs> let's go Texas A&M minus fourteen and a half. I said A&M minus twenty, 
I was feeling crazy on this one. You win this one, Shane. It's Texas A&M minus 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about this one, Shane? Georgia at South Carolina. Hmm. I'm going to go Georgia minus 20. I said Georgia minus 18. Are we tied? It's Georgia minus 19. Okay. All right. All right. Last game, Shane. I saved the best for the last year. <laughs> Tennessee at Vanderbilt. What'd you have for this one? I got this as a pick of Mike. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Minus 11 and a half. Tennessee. I said Tennessee minus 11. So I win this one. It's Tennessee minus 10. And I post these, Shane, the moment they hit the – I always get yeah. them from Circus Sports. They're the first ones that put them out. Yeah. I cannot tell you. I stopped counting. Put all your money on Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee is Vol Nation. They are fucking out on them Vols. Oh, man. They're, they're done with it. Yeah, don't bring me back in. I've done went. I I <laughs> I needed this man. This sesh. I haven't. I've, been, I've had it bottled up. I've been off all weekend. It's just me and my eight year old or eleven year old. Don't even know how old she is anymore. And you know, I can't. I can't take it out on her. You know what I'm saying? So I just. I, I just. I've been waiting for this pod. It's been building up. I apologize, but I appreciate you guys letting me vent a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got it's a, like a therapy session here. That's exact. That's what this is, Mike. It's a family sesh with uh, with my cousins, and we're just talking a little football. And I will say this, Mike. It was a fantastic week for a lot of folks. It was a terrible week for a lot of folks, but uh, I'm really looking forward to this next week, dude. We got some. I, I know we've got some bigger spreads on here, but these games, I, I, I feel like we could have some exciting games here, man. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one heck of a weekend. We're going to be stuffing our face with all kinds of glorious <laughs> food, eating football. and Football all week, baby. Oh, man, I can't wait for it. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite week. You know that. <laughs> Hell, I made turkey and stuff in last week just to see if I knew how to do it. So, <laughs> Yes, I am ready, man. I am ready and ready to give thanks for everything. And uh, I thank all the fans, man. I'll tell you that the getting on there and doing those five star ratings, those have really been helping us out. Mike sends me a picture of like all the the koozies he mails out. So be sure to get those five star ratings in, and we'll we'll definitely read those this week. Absolutely, Shane. Well, uh, oh, and one last thing before we go, just a little prayers up, man, to uh, Joe Burrow. I'm sure most people saw that. Oh yeah. Tough, tough. Uh, you know, we love Joe Burrow on this show, and. We were there for we were all there for his ride last year. Tough to see his rookie yeah. season go out like that, but hell, he sounds like he's charged up and ready to come back and fight next year. And we know he'll be back better than ever. So I uh, hope he gets back on his feet as soon as possible. You know what? Absolutely, man. That was a man. That was a bad one. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.